You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. This is Kara Hayward from Currency Cloud. I'm excited to kick off our International Women's Day podcast uh, as part of our Payments Innovation podcast series. The goal uh, of today is to talk about women in fintech who break the bias. And I am so excited to have Faye McDonough, who is the Portfolio and Business Operations Director for Growth Lending. Welcome, Faye. Hi, Cara. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, well, before we get started, Faye, maybe if you could just quickly talk a little bit about um, you know, what you do for Growth Lending and, uh, and a little bit about your background. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, as you said, I'm the Portfolio and Business Operations Director for Growth Lending. We are an alternative lender and we lend money to fast growing businesses. And so that means that we help our clients to scale. We help them to buy the businesses. We help them to invest in their future developments. We are a fintech with technology led processes, but with very much a human approach to underwriting. So no algorithms here, just lots of getting to know the business and understanding their financials. We have a range of products, including a revolving credit facility and selective and flexible invoice discounting. And my background, I guess I'll touch a bit more about it, I'm sure, as we're talking, but um, I've got a 20-year, can't believe it's 20 years, but 20-year background in financial services. Most of that was banking, so 15 years in banking, and the most recent five years in fintech. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Well, that, that kind of nicely brings me to my first question for you, which is, what do you think um, are some of the unique skills that a female leader brings to fintech? So this is a really interesting question. And I think um, the best place to start is really just to tell you a bit more about growth lending and our group as an organization. But um, I think the best way to do that is to tell you a bit about a friend of mine, Ellie. So Ellie is um, a friend, an ex-colleague. We both worked at the bank together. Um, she actually introduced me to my future boss at, at Growth Lending. Um, so um, my boss was looking for someone to run um, the region in Cambridge and said to Ellie, do you know anybody? And she said, oh, actually, I know Faye. So she knew me. She knew I'd got the role. She'd met my boss. And then at different points, she'd gone for lunch with a few of us. And I bumped into her in the office downstairs. And she met all of our marketing team. And so at this point, she'd probably met about I don't know, eight to 10 people from the organization, something like that. And she said to me, Faye, do you only work with women? <laughs> and she thought it was the most like hilarious thing because obviously compared to where we'd come from and where I was now, she's like, everyone I meet is a woman. What is going on? So that is just a really good place to start, really. So growth lending as an organization is gender balanced. So our workforce is 50-50, male and female. But we also have three managing directors who are all female, and we have a majority female senior leadership team. So we're in a really unique position. We're in a unique position in financial services, but we're also in a unique position in fintech. And I know that's not the norm. I know that's not the norm in fintech. I think there was some stats not so long ago around um, the percentage of the workforce that's female being lower than 30%, and then also yeah, leadership teams and female founders, again, less than 
less than 20%. So we definitely book the trend and we are a unique position in a unique position. But just thinking back to the question, I think really what we do as an organization and the reason why I'm here and so proud to work here is that we consider everybody's skills and everybody's unique skill sets, irrespective of, of gender, which is why we have such a, a diverse workforce. We've just today concluded a leadership program for all of our leaders across the group. So it started in September and it finished today. And it was 45 hours, all done remotely. So we'd have these like weekly or bi-weekly um, sessions on leadership. And we'd also have these separate group discussions on what we've learned and what we've put into practice. And the key thing that I took away from that, it was all based on a centered leadership model. So how can you be the best leader that you could be? And the key point that I took away is that it's really just about knowing yourself, leveraging your skills and bringing the best of what you have to work. And I think that's just a really good message for anyone. So that would be in a very, very long winded way, kind of my answer to the question. I think those, are the, you know, it's all about an individual and what their own unique skill set is and what they can bring to an organization. That's fantastic. Yeah. And really honing in on that versus, you know, specifically the gender, right? Um, but my, I guess my question as a follow-up for you is, is, I mean, that's amazing that you've achieved that level of balance, that growth blending, and specifically within the leadership, because I think that is really the biggest challenge that the, this industry sees is that um, I think more and more women are finding the way to getting maybe entry-level roles or mid-middle roles. But I guess my question to you is, is how, how did growth lending think through that? I mean, and again, maybe it was just simply saying like, let's get a large candidate pool and just focus on the skills and the rest will kind of balance itself out. But are, are there any other insights that you can provide in terms of how do you achieve that balance at growth lending, um, especially in the leadership area? So I, um, certainly from what I know as a founder of the business, it was a deliberate decision. So this mm -hmm. idea to create a business that reflected his own personal values. So I think obviously it starts from there. Yeah. We also have a really clear culture that is, we have, a, we have defined cultural tenants and defined cultural qualities, and we use those to recruit. So we really do hire for cultural fit. We also, obviously, given our workforce, it's quite easy to achieve, but we also we always have a woman on the panel. I think perhaps for certain interviews, it's been helpful to rephrase some of those questions we might ask because not everybody is, you know, overly confident in an interview situation. So it's about pulling those things out. Um, we've also, we've got a great people team, basically, is what I'm saying. We've got a great kind of founder leader who had this vision. We've got a great people team that have put in, in place a number of initiatives and then I think really in the past 10 years it's just continued to grow and what is also great is that the junior women in our team now have a host of role models to look up to like visibility is like really strong. I love that that's fantastic I think uh yeah so starting from the top down in terms of the vision but then really creating a structure that supports that vision and and uh, finds ways to make sure that there's representation. That's, that's awesome. Well, thank you for that. So I wanted to maybe talk a little bit more now about your personal journey. And 
Do you feel as though gender bias within FinTech has affected your journey? You mentioned, obviously, your time at growth lending, but also being in the banking space for a long time. So I'd love to hear more about if you've experienced gender bias and if it's affected you. And by the way, positively or negatively, or maybe neutrally. <laughs> yeah, so it was a really interesting question and definitely got me thinking back over the last 20 years, the real trip down memory lane. But um I guess going back right to the beginning when I started in banking, so I was just after university, so kind of 22, 23, and it was definitely a male-dominated environment. All of the managerial positions were taken by men, and all of, I think, with the exception perhaps of one or two, and but it was a very, very small number, and most of the junior positions were done by women. So that was the, definitely the environment that I started in. But very quickly, so within about three years of that, I had the opportunity for a promotion to become one of those managers. And it was an all-male interview panel, but we had a really sort of rigorous interview criteria. It was all kind of scored and it was quite intense as I remember it. And I probably went into it as maybe an unexpectedly sort of they weren't really sure if I would get the job. And I don't think I was really sure if I would get the job, but it turns out I did a good interview and I did. So yeah, yeah there was a majority female shortlist though, actually thinking about it. And um, so I was one of those earlier managerial females in that team. So that was my first experience. And then when I moved into leadership in 2011, I joined a gender balanced team in the North of England. So it was 50-50 representation. And then I definitely benefited from some gender-specific leadership development programs. So we had a women in leadership program. I remember there was a lot of incentives around mentoring. I definitely got a lot of airtime with people when I was rising through the ranks of a large corporate. But if I'm really honest, I don't think it attributed to my success. So actually, I've concluded that I've had quite a neutral experience. Um, yeah. I think it's helped that whilst I've been working, things have been changing. But whilst I did start in the male-dominated environment, they were very happy to welcome me into that role, you know, three years later. And then my career trajectory continued from then on. I think one thing I was thinking about when I was obviously thinking about my career journey is, as I've gotten older and a little bit wiser, I guess, it's been really important to me that where I work, reflects my personal values so mm -hmm. when I made the move from large corporate to fintech in like almost five years ago I had lots of options but a number of those places didn't fit with what I wanted culturally and I ended up saying no more often than I said yes so I don't think it's a surprise that I'm now in an organization that um, it's not really about it being majority female but it's about it being a place where everybody has an equal opportunity um, so yeah, my yeah. Looking back, I think I've had quite a neutral experience, but I understand I probably have been quite fortunate. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that's great, and I think it's important to highlight all all of those experiences throughout time too. Because I actually had a similar experience. I worked for a bank as well, and I remember there was like the you know all, a lot of the employees were on the inside, and then they had the glass offices on the outside, and. I think there was one woman who had a glass office and then that moved to zero. <laughs> and so that representation was, was difficult, but it's, it's, it's amazing that you had that experience to, to get that managerial role. And then from that point forward, always 
working to seek out places that support those values and, and to your point, um, giving back. I think that the one interesting point you brought up that um, I thought a lot about too is the kind of the formal women programs, right? Some of them are, I think, very effective and others, I think, are really great no matter what, but sometimes you're like, is that really moving the needle, right? And so how, how to think about how much these sort of formal programs might affect versus just the place you work, right? And the people you meet along the way. And, and so anyway, well, that's fantastic. Thank you. So I guess the next question I have for you is, um, and I think you might have kind of touched on this a little bit, but, and so maybe we'll talk a little bit more broadly about FinTech in general versus your journey. Cause I wanted to touch on you experiencing a gender bias in FinTech that you think might not be the case in a different industry. I think what you've basically told me thus far is that you've actually had a pretty positive experience um, within FinTech, but a lot of that was based on picking a place that aligned with your values. But maybe, so if we can maybe broaden this out to the FinTech industry in general, um, do you think that, like, what, where, where, where are we at today in terms of an industry, right, overall gender bias? And um, what do you think is one thing that can help break that bias, whatever it is? Yeah, so I think you're right. I've, I've been selective about where I've joined. And so it's really difficult to say what's happening on like the other side of the fence. But I've definitely, you know, I, I, you know, I see what's in the press. It, it definitely seems like female representation is still an issue at those three levels, really, at the at the workforce level, at the leadership level, and then also at the client representation level. So, you know, Grey Funding is doing a great job. It's not perfect, but it's doing a great job, certainly from a, a workforce and a leadership point of view. But what we could definitely do more is around client representation. So if there was one thing that I was going to commit to doing, or I certainly I think I will commit to this, I'll say it out loud here because I'm here to talk about it. But um, the one thing I'll commit to doing to breaking the bias is just to consider how we can increase the representation of female entrepreneurs in our portfolio. So... Um, it's definitely fair to say that it's less, less than 50% at the moment. So there's a number of things I think we can do. I think we need to get better at how we report on that. We need to have better data on both female-led and female-founded uh, teams. I think we've started some of the work on that, but I think there's more to do. As I mentioned before, we do have a human underwriting process. It's not algorithm-driven, but... You know, you see and you hear anecdotally that female entrepreneurs are evaluated in a different way to a male entrepreneur mm -hmm. and that, um, you know, a male entrepreneur that's young might be considered young and, promises, young and promising versus a female entrepreneur that's considered young and inexperienced. So, again, instinctively, I, I don't think that's an issue here in our organisation, but there is more that we can do to ensure that the credit assessment is, is there. Um, and consistent so I guess it's about data and language and then also initiatives so any initiatives that we could run to support you know grassroots entrepreneurship too yeah I, I like that a lot the the, uh, the promotion and, and again I think this comes to representation too right I think um it's, you know, everyone knows that being a founder, being an entrepreneur is really hard, right? Um, yeah. And having, having a group of, yeah, having a group of people and um, ways to see the path to success is is very important because it's a scary thing to undertake. It's, it's a big risk, right? And, and so, you know, the more that you can see others that have done it that are similar to your, to your background, I think is, is great. But, but I like, I like the concept too of better data, better, 
better language, right? Better, and I think it's better training too, right? Is 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 actually getting people to break their own bias um, when they're thinking about you know the decision making in terms of supporting a project or not, right? Um, because I think I think at the end of the day, we we all we all have our biases that we all need to kind of challenge consistently. So I love that. The last question I have for you, and then I'll let you go, is is what is the most rewarding thing that you found about fintech and the industry as a whole? I guess it's everything I've gained since I've left banking. Like that's the best way of putting it. So I've obviously stayed in banking for 15 years for a reason. And I really enjoyed it. I made some great friendships, built some fantastic relationships, benefited from some amazing learning and development programs, like learned so much. But what was what's really important to me, I guess, is making an impact. And I think alongside that, it's like making an impact at speed. So I really enjoy that in our organization, we can deliver for a client within a matter of days rather than weeks and months as it would be at a bank. If we have a project or an idea that we think is a good win for clients, we can turn it around from kind of idea to marketing to launch to client communication. We can do all of that in four weeks and a similar project might take I mean, it's not unrealistic to say four years. I mean, maybe it's a bit quicker now, but it's not, it's not unrealistic to say something like that could take that long. So that's what I enjoy personally. It enables just making that shift from banking to fintech keeps that core part of my career, but in an organization that's more aligned to the pace I like to work at. That's fantastic. Well, I couldn't agree more. I think the impact that can be made in fintech is, is so fantastic. And especially considering it's, making an impact for groups of people that have generally been forgotten by the traditional you know, banking industry. Right. And um, yeah, I love that. Well, Faye, thank you so much for your time today. It's been wonderful getting to chat with you, learning about your, your background, your experience and um, how you're breaking the bias uh, with uh, the international women's day celebration. So um, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah. Thanks Cara. Really nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Payments Innovation Podcast. Today we are focusing on part two of our International Women's Day series. You know, focusing on our um, the, the series theme, which is breaking the bias. And I have here today Lindsay Davis, who's a, the head of markets for Atomic FI. So excited to have you on the show today, Lindsay. Welcome. Honored to be here, Kara. How are you? Wonderful. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode. Lindsay and I have known each other, gosh, for a couple of years now, I think. And uh, as, two, as two women in the fintech industry, I think we'll have a lot to say today. Uh, but before we get started, Lindsay, maybe you could just give uh, a quick uh, introduction on yourself, Atomic, and a little bit about your background and what brought you to fintech. Yeah, I'm Lindsay Davis. I originally started my career at a incumbent called DTCC, Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, where I was an internal auditor working on core clearance and settlement. For those who don't know it, it's an infrastructure provider for the capital markets. It clears and settles over a quadrillion dollars on an annualized basis. I sashayed around that company from clearance to settlement to new products, recognized I wasn't growing and learning and wanted to break into startups as people building internal startups, um, trying to figure out how do we take our products and services and become more of a SaaS-based company and creating more of a recurring revenue stream. Every Everything that a tech company 
should and wants to aspire to be. However, recognize that internal innovation is extremely hard when you're hamstrung by big banks that sit on the board and every major bank has the opportunity to rotate on DTCC's board. So the money for those projects was quickly drying up and I knew I would be tossed back into doing risk and, and quantitative modeling. For the vantage point of, I was in New York, I was about 25 at the time, took my head up and said, you know, I could do FinTech if I can get in. And so spent, you know, a couple of months looking at the different opportunities within the New York and San Francisco ecosystem, had recently moved to, to Manhattan and was very much in love with it. So didn't want to go anywhere and used CV Insights, which is where I ultimately ended up to find FinTech companies in New York. And in 2016, we didn't have much of a FinTech research pipeline. So spent the next four and a half years building out FinTech in terms of the layers within it, capital markets tech, wealth tech, reg tech, HR tech, things that have then led me to joining a startup. And that's where I'm at today, Atomic, which is where we build payroll connectivity to help consumers manage their financial data within their payroll accounts, leverage it to apply for financial products with you know, either a neobank or a bank or a credit union, as well as make changes to and set up their direct deposits, as well as their withholdings. And the company's been growing and expanding rapidly, and it's been the ride of a lifetime. But my career journey and taking um, the listeners to that is, is to say that it's not linear, and it, it wasn't a ladder. And I, you know, monkey bar moves along the way. And it was largely without having the support system that I have today and having women at FinTech that have enabled me to join Atomic and be successful here. So I'm very, very passionate about this topic and excited to unpack it further with you. Yeah, awesome, Lindsay. Thanks so much for that background. I think it's really great to, to highlight that that ladder type move, or sorry, the monkey bar moves, not the ladder moves, right? Because I think that's a, a theme that I'm hearing from a lot of the women that I'm interviewing is specifically made it to the tech industry. So I guess before we kind of dig deeper, I would love to maybe just hear high level, like what do you think um, are some of the unique skills that a female leader brings to FinTech specifically? Instinctively, I think empathy. Mm -hmm. How do you empathize not only with your customers, but in our scenario where we sell B2B product that does touch on consumers, feeling the impact of what we do, telling the organization, hey, we help millions of consumers access their transparent financial services, but you might not actually ever get to realize that because the end consumer is coming from a neobank or it's coming from Coinbase, it's coming from Dave, they have different use cases and pain points. So the ability to empathize and then bring that story back internally has been incredibly powerful and motivating for our culture. And incredibly motivating in terms of where we want to take the product roadmap and the problems that we want to go work on next. We're yeah. not always going to chase the biggest TAMs. We're going to chase the biggest vulnerabilities and pain points. And, and that empathy that we all have as, as a leadership team has been something that remains consistent and a daily motivation for me in particular. I love that. I, I think that's so important to note. And I think, you know, empathy or I even I, sometimes I simply even call it like peeling the onion or curiosity or deep discovery, right? Because really at the end of the day, it's understanding like what is motivating people, what is really driving those pain points, like you said, and 
and every fintech is a little different, right? Every fintech is a bit of a unicorn, not not a unicorn in the sense of you know evaluation of a billion, but um, a unicorn right. in terms of being unique and different and all that good stuff. So yeah, I love that, and I think I agree. I completely around. That's a really great skill. I think females do bring to the to the industry. So I would love to focus now a bit on gender bias and um, and within fintech. Um, and actually, if you know, even if you want to bring it back to your days at DTCC and CB Insights, like. How has it affected your journey? And by the way, positively, negatively, neutrally, <laughs> um, whatever your viewpoint is, I'd love to hear um, how it's had an impact, if at all. I think for any woman in this industry, you have to take a step back and realize that fintech straddles two largely male-dominated industries, finance and tech. So from that perspective, you are up against a, a different hybrid and for me personally, it's been motivating. It's also required me to work a little bit harder. One of our cultural values is progress over perfection. But in the roles that I've had, I've always had to be somewhat perfect. I've grown and progressed. And I know that's something that we'll talk about later on in terms of the advice I'd give my younger self. But having a framework for recognizing that you're being measured at a higher standard and that your viewpoints, like having the self-awareness to understand that you will not always be as respected across fields given your gender and that your opinions are sometimes viewed as opinions rather than what they are, which is a data-driven perspective. It has yeah. been helpful and it has been humbling. Yeah. How, how have you, um, how have you, I guess, battled that, if that's the right word to use? I mean, what, like, what sort of, um, maybe not advice to your younger self, but advice to others specifically around this, like, would you, would you give in terms of overcoming that, because I don't know, you know, I, I, it's hard to break down without like a like long history of, of why this is the case, but it definitely is the case in a lot of scenarios. So, and, and obviously it can be quite overwhelming to a young woman navigating. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear your opinion on how to take little bite-sized bits of, of breaking this down. I will tell you that this is something that I'm working on. I am exceptionally hard on myself. I don't often celebrate all of the wins. I constantly want to raise my own bar, but I never expected of my team. And that has to do with, I learned the hard way. I worked mm -hmm. for women that told me that I needed to struggle because they struggled. Mm -hmm. And that was in a, a more male dominated field in yeah. terms of they were going up against gender biases that were more extreme. I think that society today has become a little bit more equalized but there's still gender pay gaps. There's still gender imbalances on boards, especially within leadership teams across the unicorns. Like if you look at the research, I was upset when Cabbage got bought because that was the only female CEO unicorn company during my time at CB Insights when I was covering that from a research perspective. And I think that these companies would do best having, and I do believe it is getting better, but having someone in, in the C-suite that isn't just playing a, a female role, right? Yeah. Something in human resources or marketing are pretty typical fields that you'd expect to see a woman C-suite. I look for the ones that bring people, create new roles for them, literally to come into the organization to breathe a female balanced perspective. Yeah, yeah, that. So it's, a, I mean, I'm hearing a couple of themes here, but obviously representation, uh, but not just like, yeah not just that sort of like turnkey kind of like, oh yes, we have this many women, right? Like the actual like representation in roles that are diverse and um, that 
whole have an impact right yeah Yeah. like that's the right word for sure absolutely um you know, I think that's, and, and, and having, cause I know like, I, I listen, like I went through something similar. Uh, I also came from, I came from wall street and I remember there was a point in my career that, and, and listen, like there were a lot of good things. And I think that I was supported in a lot of ways as a woman, but there are other ways that I was like, man, I remember I, I worked on a floor of like 350 people and all the, the, you know, the work staff, I guess you could say all kind of sat in the middle, but the, the leadership had these like glass, um, these glass offices around the side. And I remember one day looking around and I was like, Oh my God, there's not a single female in one of these offices, not one. And that was like, that was a big thing for me. I was like, how, how can I get to that next level? If this is the way it is, right. right? Like, I'm not seeing any, anyone actually making up the ranks. Um, you know, it's really difficult. So, so I totally relate to that. Um, awesome. Well, so the funny I, thing is, but you, what you just did is you literally microanalyzed as as a woman might, in the sense where you're being respectful of all the other voices that could be in the room and people that enabled you along the way. But it's normalizing these feelings and these conversations, and also sharing them. It has been incredibly powerful for other women to hear the stories to say, "Oh, yes, I tried a hundred times to get into a startup and I failed, and oh, now yeah. I'm here." But yeah. the patience, the passion, and the persistence will always serve you well. Absolutely. I think, I think the sharing is a big one too. Cause I, I'll, I mean, I'll be honest with you. It was, I, I don't think I ever actually shared that while I was in the role. Um, and now it's, it's taken a lot of courage. Right. And, and I think that, um, that so that's a big one because I think oftentimes we're, we are trying to make it better. Not, not every woman, cause there, there is, there are examples like you mentioned of having women that kind of say, I had it so hard that you should too. But I also think there's another camp that say, I want it to be better for you as a next generation. And we have like, to. Yeah, you have to, but almost make it like, I think we almost like gloss over the bad because we're, we don't want them to see that. We want them to continue to come down the path with us. We're, here's all the good that's happening, right? Right, but, right. we don't uh, want to traumatize them on the way in, but at the same time, it's like, we need you to come, we need you to come have an active seat at the table. Yes, don't sit yes. in the corner, sit at the table, sit at the head. Yeah. Love Honestly, at every yeah. every presentation at DTCC or everything that I've ever been pictured at in terms of like going to leadership events, even within New York, I'm like the stock image. It's a joke because I sit in the front row. And I, I was taught that very early on. Just be present. The best way to be present is to take the front row seat and always ask a question that is valuable to the conversation. Yeah. But that's a way to shake those nerves. Make you yourself want the office, Make yourself make yourself known. <laughs> and be bold in that. I love that. That's actually, I think that's a good segue to the next question I have, which is, is now talking about breaking the bias, right? Let's, let's talk about, I think we talked about the past a little bit. We talked about maybe some personal ways we've overcome it, but how do we, how do we look at the industry going forward? What, what are some real tangible things that we can do all together to, to start breaking this bias um, in the FinTech industry specifically, excuse me? There are no silver bullets for this, Kara. It's Mm -hmm. going to take small incremental progress moves forward to do this, but finding allies, especially men in organizations that want that, it's something if you're very committed to it personally, then it's something that you put on your I must haves in in this next role. For me, it's, is this a place I can learn? Is this a team I can share knowledge with? And am I passionate about the mission? Team and sharing knowledge, like, you get granular within that, but finding male allies, finding people that are supporting your vision, and then also teammates that you work with, that you can, of course, elevate along the way. 
that yeah. that is that has to be a part of your framework and you have to be conscious about it you can't just think it's going to happen you have to be active in in seeking it out it will not just happen for you yeah i'm not that yeah. lucky maybe maybe it does happen for some but i have always just <laughs> let's, let's hope it's like that easy right I, but it's not there yet <laughs> um i'm and, i'm i'm optimistic about it though you're starting to see settlements around the U.S. women's soccer team getting yes. a settlement related to gender gender pay gaps. No. There is certainly precedent on boards. There are funds being set up with diversity mandates. Like it doesn't. It, we're here to specifically speak about gender imbalance, but it's not just gender. It's it's nationality, ethnicity, identity, and pick your you know pick your passion and, and be persistent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I had part one of the series earlier today and, and, and the guest Faye, who, who I had on earlier, she also talked about, you know, choice a little bit, right? And I think that we are at a po at a point now where, I mean, there obviously in the past, there was not as much choice, but a lot of times now there is. And she talked about taking her current role and being very diligent, diligent about interviewing these companies, right? And, and like really deeply around culture and values and all these things, because at the end of the day, like there are still, um, I think fintech companies out there that, that have not, you know, progressed. Right. But there's a lot out there that are doing the right things. And so, you know, using that power of choice to pick a place that aligns with your values and then running with it. And, it, and, I, and the reason I bring it up is I think I kind of heard that from you a little bit too, right. In terms of atomic in your current role and the way that you're, you're finding those mentors and you're finding the, that those allies. And so maybe if you could talk a little bit about that in terms of like, where you're at today and, 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 and that journey that you took to get to a place where you feel like you're empowered and, and that the, the right things are happening. <laughs> I'm also very, very fortunate to work with founders that believe in elevating and supporting women so much that, that I often get to have these conversations to the market as a representative of Atomic. Like to put a female in charge without a co-founder title is incredibly humbling to have that as that level of trust that is something that you build along the way and gender agnostic in that scenario. It is something that takes time and mm -hmm. something that for me was important coming into an organization, having that time to work with a team and grow with them and not looking for a fast exit because mm -hmm. that stuff doesn't get prioritized. If, if your end goal is to just exit and you know be successful, that's not what we're trying to do. We're having a real impact here and coming in so early as I did, one of the earliest, you know, I don't know what number, probably around 10 at that point, but Jordan had wanted me to join before they had even figured out what exactly they wanted to be at back in January, 2020, when I had pinged him cold because I was an analyst looking for founders that had exited businesses to see what they were building potentially next. It's typically a good time. He totally like gave me the, the, you know, I'm not working on anything. Here's my, you know, personal innovation squad email. And so we had just got, we had a conversation within 15 minutes. He knew he wanted to hop on a plane and, and potentially talk to me about joining this company because it's something that he himself had values about having diversity around the table, bringing women in from the beginning to better inform how they are going to serve this big, wild, audacious mission of helping the most vulnerable members of society access financial services. That is empathy. And that, that takes, again, as to, to Faye's point earlier, is about vetting the people on the other side of the table and then also letting it be known what's important to you. And mm -hmm. it's something that, that gets, gets brought into conversations around my development. And am I 
succeeding against the plans that, that we talk about in advance of what's going to happen from a quarterly and annualized perspective. Am I making an impact on helping more women get into financial services and fintech proper? Are we impacting women founders and helping them build their products and services? And we, we, we will take absolutely a harder look at trying to help those companies if they don't lack they lack resources or funding or time, like we, we will extend our networks to them. We will find a way to make it happen because it is something that I value and thus by an extension, Jordan and Scott value. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I absolutely love that perspective. I'm very fortunate though, again. Yeah, I know. It's been right? years to get to this of a jungle gym of finding people that are, are, you know, put your money where your mouth is, like put your skin in the game. That takes time and it takes patience. And again, a hundred rejections later, I couldn't have envisioned how fortunate I am. And self-discovery, right? I think, and maybe, maybe this, this is like, I know that you'd be excited about this question, which is what, what advice would you give to your former self, right? And, um, you know, to your point, it, it was a journey to get where you are. And, and yes, you know, we're, we're, we, we, cause I feel the same about my current position. We're very fortunate, but we, it's not like we just kind of hopped into this, right? <laughs> it took a while to get where we are. So talk to me about like, if you were to go through this again, um, or again, if you're mentoring someone who's maybe a bit more junior in their career, what would you tell them to do differently? Maybe I ossify between the answers here, but one of them is be patient. And I've said it quite a bit. It comes up a lot because I'm often impatient with myself. I want to be my best version of myself. And when I'm not, I know it and being patient and reflecting upon that time and time has truly always served me giving something time and room to breathe. That's something that is, as I've evolved, I've been more patient about just letting it take the time that it needs. Trust doesn't happen overnight. There are no silver bullets. You don't build a market in two years time. It takes 10 for anything to actually become a real thing. Like there's real work that goes into it, but having the patience with yourself to recognize that you've made progress and that's an accomplishment. Yeah. It's a big one. It's a, it's a journey, what, right? I mean, what would I you, that, yeah. What would you say? I, I, yeah. I, I mean, so patience is a big one. I think I, I, I actually agree with that a lot. Cause I, I think I'm similar in that way. I think for me also, it's not always like feeling like there's this, like always this like one end goal, right? It's like realizing that it is a journey and that even if you feel like you're failing at something, it's, you are actually learning from that and you don't know when you're going to actually draw upon the lessons that you learned, but you will. And I think maybe this just comes with a little bit of extra years on my belt, you know, like in terms of aging a little bit, but, or, or wisdom or whatever we want to call it. But I think that like, I'm finally getting to that age now where I can look back and say, ah, yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. I learned that thing. And it was, yeah, five years ago or, or seven it years takes- ago. But- and it has a lot of life experience so I think that like just almost like take a breath right like it's okay like everything's gonna be okay I'm exactly it will be okay I remember being like you know losing this potential deal and freaking out about it and our CEO is so sage and wise and nothing gets done but (laughs) it'll happen it'll happen and I'm like all right but it comes down to trusting yourself too, right? Trusting your instinct. I think like that's something I sort of uh, sometimes took for granted. And I, I didn't always, I was like, no, maybe that's not right. Like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, questioning yourself constantly. But really like when you look back and say, wow, every time I actually trust my instincts because, and, and by the way, like 
obviously I think we're both pretty data driven people. Like, yes, you want to take in data and lots of opinions and all that, but at the end of the day, it's about what you're feeling inside and entrusting that. And sometimes you're wrong and that's okay. <laughs> right? But yeah. I, I will say on that note, it's also, if I was telling my younger self, do this sooner, establish yeah. what your, what your values are and yeah. never ever falter on them. And your values will always service you. Like you said, yeah. if it is that I am, I am going to make a decision based on data and the data and the perspectives and, and the opinions of others matter. Like that is a framework for how you live. Do, you don't just do things from a gut feel. You don't shoot from yeah. the hip. That's not yeah. your value. You know, yeah. if you if your mission is to work with the most vulnerable members of society, then you don't go work with people that are charging hundreds of millions of dollars in overdraft fees. Yeah. Those are things, those are conscientious decisions that you make. You build products and services that are humane because of your value to help humanity. I wish I had done that exercise sooner, but I think mm -hmm. that I've always actually lived by values without realizing it. It was, it was because I was given the advice to read, you know, how will you measure your life? Yeah. And that was something that impacted the decision. Oh, wow. Amazing. Well, anything I know or come up on time or anything else you'd like to share with the audience today? I am an open book. If you are going through anything, please reach out to me. My, I truly exceptionally passionate about helping women get into fintech make changes in their careers. However, I can be helpful, even if I can't be helpful in the sense where I can get you to the right next person that might have an answer for you. It is something that I, I try to drop what I'm doing because I have been so fortunate and this ecosystem cannot survive without more of us in it. And it is, it is a small thing that I want to put out into the universe. It is to be better and conscientious about helping more women. I love that. That's the, thank you for, um, being the open book and thank you, you know, on behalf of all of our listeners, listeners for opening yourself up like that, because I think I know for myself, I wish I had had more people I could have talked to that had, had been through it as I was coming up through my career. Um, I know, you know, there's, there's a handful, yeah, right. There's a handful of women's, women's groups out there, right. Women in FinTech, NYC FinTech women. I think there's probably more than I'm missing that those are the ones that I'm involved in, but I know that there's a lot of us out there that, that want to help. And we also want to learn, right? Like I, I will full out, here's my break of bias, right? It's like, I want more mentors. I want more people who've been through a whole bunch of different experiences. So I think it's like, no matter where you are in your career, we can support each other more. So let's continue to do that. So thank you, Lindsay, for, for offering that to, to our listeners. Likewise, you do it for me. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, I can actually vouch for you that you're one, you're a person <laughs> I've, uh, I think, already called many times and said. Yeah. Oh, no, I meant like I, you would do it for me if, if I needed it in that scenario. But yeah, yeah no, I love I, that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you again for the time. And I'm, I'm excited to hear the entire episode. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Women Lindsay. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> All right. Bye. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.